Can we pray? Will you pray with me? <sighs> Dear God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your love and your peace. Thank you that you are already here, that you're already moving. We ask that you please would encounter each of us as you want to, according to your goodwill. Would your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I'm so excited to be here. I am Dana. I know most of you, but if you don't know me, I'm Dana. Um, I just graduated from college in San Diego and planning to move to Jersey in like a month. Um, spooky. <laughs> my college experience was really fun. I loved my school. I loved what I got to learn, and I get to talk about a little bit of that today, which I'm really excited about. So you'll see my like nerdy TA side come out, um, which I'm really stoked. Um, but I loved my school. Freshman year at my school, I lived in the dorm because it was, I mean, I was a freshman in college and it was pre-COVID, so during COVID I moved out off campus, but freshman year I was in the dorm, and I got to make a lot of good friends with um, the people who were living in my dorm and in my hall, and so a couple rooms down from mine, there was this girl, we'll call her Sarah. Um, Sarah was cool, she was really nice, and we got along, and when it came time to move off campus and find an off-campus roommate, I reached out to Sarah because she was really cool and she was nice. I didn't know her super well, but I knew her enough. And she was nice and she said yes, and so we lived together for a year. And it was really fun. I got to know her a lot more, obviously, because that's what happens when you live with someone. And she told me about her childhood best friend who she like grew up with and she spent all this time with, she hadn't seen him in a minute, but like she used to play music with him. He was a musician and she was really good friends with him. And she, we got into the topic of music or something. And so she started showing me videos on her phone um, of videos that she had taken of him playing music, like in their house or whatever, because she, he has a great voice. And she showed me this one cover of him singing like a, Sleeping at Last song, and I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I was like, airdrop this to me right now so that I can have it and just listen to it. It was like 10 seconds, but I was like listening to it all the time. Um, it was a really cool song. I'm sure you know this about airdrop, but when somebody airdrops you something, it gives the location, it gives the timestamp, and it puts the video in your photos like as you took it. Like if it was taken in February or whatever, like it'll go up to February, like it won't be like, oh. anyways, it looked like I took this video because she's not in it. It's just him singing. And this is important to remember that it looks like I took the video. Um, so this kid actually, like her friend, the musician, his one of his songs like went viral or something and now he's like super famous. He um, signed with like a big music label or something and so this dude's like doing really well. and. I was just imagining if I was in a scenario where I was like, if I had to convince somebody that I knew this famous guy, like it would not be difficult. Like I could be like, look at this video that I have on my phone and it has the timestamp. I was there, I don't even know who Sarah is. What are you talking about? I took this video, he was singing to me or whatever. It would not be hard to convince everyone that I knew this famous guy and get some sort of like status or whatever. 
<laughs> but the thing is, is it's kind of funny. If I went up to this guy, he would have no clue who I am. Absolutely no idea. I'd be like, hey, like, look at this video I have on my phone. And he would be like, I don't know who you are. And I'd be like, I know Sarah. You know Sarah? Like, that's Sarah. And he'd be like, okay, like, I don't know you. I don't know you. And I'd be like, listen, you kind of did... I have this video, and I know that you sang this song. Can you be my friend? He'd be like, no, I don't know you. Which is so interesting, because Jesus says something very similar in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter in the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That's arguably one of the most terrifying passages in the entire New Testament. Like, I don't want... God to ever say that he didn't know me. Like, of course, I can read these psalms that's like, I know that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that I'm made in the image of God. I know that God created me, knit me together in my mother's womb. And yet, Jesus is saying to these people, I never knew you. So there's something else happening. Like, obviously, God knows about, like, all of us. Like, knows us. But, like, knows us is different. That felt like it made no sense, but I hope that it did. <laughs> um, how do we know God, and how do we have God know us? I spent a very large portion of my young life not really knowing God. And through the grace of God, since I was senior in high school, I've been learning more and more what it's like to have a relationship with God and to really, like, like, how do you know God and have God know you? And I think the first step is to openly accept that invitation to free relationship with God that is made possible through Christ. So the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus has made possible a relationship with God. When Jesus died on the cross, it says the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This was the curtain that separated everyone from the most holy of holies. Only certain people on certain days could go in here. It says it was torn from top to bottom. Like a human couldn't reach up there and tear it. Okay, this was God's doing. And so we have access now to a relationship with God. And relationships require communication. They require honesty. They require a response. So during college, I went to Point Loma Nazarene University. And if you are like I was and have no idea what Nazarene means, because I had no idea um, until I went there, Nazarene is just like a small denomination that broke off of Methodism and they're Wesleyan. They come from the Wesleyan tradition in uh, Christianity. And so that pretty much just means that 
they really liked the theology and the teachings of this dude named John Wesley. He was a missionary, and they were like, I like that guy's teaching. Let's teach that too. And then they did. And then, you know, they formed practices off of that. Anyways, um, something that John Wesley believed was this term, provenient grace. It's pretty much a fancy way of saying that God works in the lives of all people, not only like whether or not they know God. God works in the lives of all people, always. Not only that, but God works with humanity in order to encourage and persuade and lead us towards more goodness, more love, more life, more of the kingdom things. God will persuade us to do so. So persuasion has that key aspect of like free will, that we can be persuaded, but we're not like controlled. Like there's that free will element, which is big in Wesleyan tradition. They're like, we like free will. Um, so when my professor taught me about provenient grace, he taught me about Cain and Abel. Not that Cain, different Cain. You're not actually not in the Bible. Maybe you are in the Bible because you're fearfully and wonderfully. Anyways, okay. <laughs> so we're going to read the story of Cain and Abel now. Um, and I'm going to stop along the way and like make some key points because I think it's kind of cool. Um, this is in Genesis. Yes. Okay, I'm going to read it from the screen because I don't have my Bible open. I don't want to find it. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Okay, first of all, it's cool because like the professor last week said, he was like, God didn't abandon humanity like after the fall. That's just like a really sweet image of God to be like, didn't abandon us. Anyways, after we sin, moving on. Um... Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked on favor, with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Now, this is usually the point where people would stop and begin to discuss, like, why God didn't like Cain's offering. And, I mean, these are—I've, like, heard these sermons, and they're good. Um, maybe Cain can tell us why his offering failed. I don't know. Maybe ask him after. Um, but I want to go a little further and pay attention to how Cain and God interact with each other. This is the interesting part. So it says— so Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. This is so interesting for God to say. It's almost like God is encouraging Cain not to sin. That God knows that he's angry, 
that his face is downcast, and he asks him. He says, why are you angry? He's encouraging him not to sin. And then immediately it says, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. Okay, so it says that Cain did not reply to God. That God asked Cain a question, and Cain did not reply. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. So Cain sins and does what God asked him not to do, encouraged him not to do, persuaded him not to do. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. That's really intense. So, of course, when God asks Cain, where is your brother Abel? He knows exactly where he is. God knows exactly that he's killed his brother. But he still asks. That is so interesting that God would ask a question that he already knows the answer to. Um... The Lord already knows where Abel is. The Lord knows that, he's, that Cain has sinned, but he still asks Cain, where is your brother? And then tells Cain the consequences, says, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Like, that's really intense. But God just wanted a response from Cain. This, this describes provenient grace really well. That God was working and trying to persuade Cain not to sin. And he just wanted a response. Like, what would it be? We don't know what it would have been like if Cain would have replied to God. Don't, don't be angry. Why are you angry? If you would have said why he's angry, would, it, would his brother have died? I don't know, maybe. Maybe. But he just want, God just wanted a response. So God wants that relationship, that honesty, that communication. Scripture is full of testimonies of honesty with God. So the first one is David and Bathsheba. This is a story of sin, deep sin, that David went out on his roof and he saw a woman. He peered into her private bathing quarters. She was not flaunting for him. He saw her. He wanted her. He brought her to him. They had sex. Now Bathsheba has a husband who, A, David knew about. He asked who she was before bringing her to him. So he's off at war. The husband's off at war. David has him purposely killed, on purpose, because Bathsheba got pregnant. Um, and 
it says that the thing David did displeased the Lord. The thing that David had done had displeased the Lord. And this makes sense, of course, because the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And so it displeases God. And yet here is a psalm, Psalm 51, that we have in scripture of David that he wrote after this incident. And it's a psalm of repentance. It's a psalm of honesty. And here's what it says. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness. Even in the womb, you taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Elsewhere, David also writes, Heal me, Lord, for I have sinned against you. He understands that sin is brokenness. And so earlier when I said, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. That's Psalm 34, 18. I was initially talking about Bathsheba. I was thinking about Bathsheba because she's the one who had been oppressed in the story. She's the one who had been harmed repeatedly. And yet, David recognizes his own brokenness too. He says, a broken and contrite heart, Lord, you do not despise. That the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The Lord offers healing to sinners, always, always. That's why, that's how we're all here, always. Um, and this is something I've brought up in connection with this verse before, is the, a verse in Jeremiah that says, you will seek me when you find me, and find me when you seek me with your whole heart, and I will be found by you. So that even though sin is brokenness, and God is close to the brokenhearted. So when we have a sinful heart, when we're struggling with that, if we're confused, if we're angry, our whole heart can be in a state. Or half of our heart can be angry, half of our heart can, can be confused, a little glimpse of our heart can be hopeful. Whatever it is, your entirety of your heart 
God says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. So whatever it is, you can bring it to God and God wants that. God says, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And God wants that response because that response leads us to goodness and leads us to life and love. That God wants us just as we are. God loves us just as God finds us. Even after we sin, like David, David was honest and wrote this psalm. So it's a blessing that we have it because I sin and I use it a lot to repent and it's a helpful psalm. But when we're broken from sinning against other people or being sinned against, we can bring our full heart to God. The next testimony of honesty with God is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Here's what Matthew 26 says. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to him, to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. This is a really powerful example of, first of all, the emotions of Jesus that Jesus also had. His soul is troubled to the point of death. That's like a lot. And Jesus is with, with us in that. He was sweating like drops of blood. That's deep anguish. And yet, Jesus prayed. What if Jesus wouldn't have prayed to his father in the garden? He didn't have to. So the cool thing about Jesus and true love is that it's chosen. So Jesus didn't have to. That's something that's important, that Jesus didn't have to love us, but Jesus does. Jesus didn't have to die on the cross. Here's what he said. He said, when one of his disciples like cut off the ear, the other dude, and he was like, no. Um, he said, couldn't I call on my father and I would have 12 armies of angels and 12 in biblical references, like completeness. So it's like all of, so Jesus was like, I could have all the angels ever. And this thing would be over. And yet he said, how would the scriptures be fulfilled? So Jesus chose that Jesus chose love and he chose to pray. He didn't feel this anguish to the point of death and suppress it and leave. And in a mysterious way, his sacrifice saved us. That love saved us. That he didn't choose 
his own will, but opened up the conversation to submitting to the will of the Father. And that's, that's the hardest thing, I think, is submitting to the will of the Father. And I'm thankful that Jesus did that, that Jesus chose to pray and was honest in his anguish and his emotions. And we get to be honest in our questions, in our doubts, in our fears, in our anger, in our joy, in every single emotion. We have to stop believing that God wants to condemn. The scripture says that God is patient and wants all to come to repentance. And this is eternal life, to know God. That's what scripture says eternal life is, to know God, the Father, and to know the Son, Jesus Christ. God doesn't want to re- to condemn. Every time I get nervous about talking to God honestly, I, and then I end up like shutting my eyes and praying or just like closing my eyes, I find the perspective of God easier to access. So when I, when I actually just submit and I'm like, oh gosh, like just now if God tells me something that I don't want to hear, like I have to hear it now. And so when I submit, I'm always met with such gentleness and mercy and grace. Like the prodigal son who's like, I wasn't expecting for you to come hug me right now. And yet you are. Everything God leads us to is for the goodness and glory of God. And I find myself like, okay, okay, of course, like I should expect it by now that when I pray and I am met with grace and gentleness, like I should expect that that's the character of God. Like why am I nervous about being honest again? And then I ask myself, do I trust God? God asks me, do you trust me? And so if we don't, and I always am like, I don't know, and then we like have the conversation again. We have to talk to God about why we don't trust God. We have to talk to God literally anything and everything and and don't believe that God will be mad at you for being honest. God says, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Talk to me. Tell me when you're about to sin. We can talk. Tell me when you've sinned. We can talk. Tell me when you're angry at me when something's going wrong. Tell me when you're really, really happy. Tell me when something good happens. This is relationship with God, that we don't get to go through everything alone, that we get somebody to talk to, the one who actually knows and holds us and has the power to protect us. God is opening God's arms and offering real, true relationship. He's already paid the price for it ask. Those who ask, receive. Those who knock, the door will be opened. God wants to know you. God wants honesty and real communication and a response. Trust that God wants you, that God will continually and has continually gave God's full self for you. Don't be like me and my roommate who has the famous friend because I didn't know him and he didn't know me 
And we both knew that we didn't know each other. He doesn't even know I'm talking about him right now. He's living his life because he doesn't know me. Would you close your eyes with me? And then I'm going to close this out in a prayer so you can keep your eyes closed. If that's weird for you, open them up. Just imagine the face of God. Imagine the heart of God. And God is smiling. God is not frowning. God does not have God's back turned towards you, but is smiling at you from ear to ear. Smiling. And God has God's arms out towards you. God is not turned away, but wants to pull closer to you. Would you talk to God? Would you tell God your hard questions and trust that God's not going to get mad at you? God's smiling at you. Will you tell God why, why you're angry? Will you tell God why you're sad and why you're confused? Will you ask God to reveal the answers or peace or both? All God wants is a relationship with you. This is eternal life. To know God the Father and to know Jesus Christ. To live with God, to do God's will. There's so much goodness, so much love to come. Dear God, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy when we don't deserve it. Thank you that you want us, that you want to know us, that you accept us as we are. You love us as you find us. You are working in our lives every moment before we knew you. After, you desire goodness for your children. You love us more than we could begin to imagine, and we thank you. Would we feel a glimpse of that love tonight? Would we encounter your presence in a new way? Would you spark a new desire in us for a more true and honest and deeper relationship with you? For those who are going off to retreat, I pray that they would spend that time in honesty with you and growth. Those who aren't, and even those who are, would we not wait to have these conversations, but would we trust you and ask you why we don't trust you and just be honest with you not hide because you already know us and you just want to talk to us you just want to lead us towards better things I ask that you would please help us to recognize your will and give us the courage to obey it we thank you for your Holy Spirit with us, never leaves us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.